Hi, I'm Howard Tierski. Welcome to the Winning Digital Customers podcast, where we focus on the stories of large-scale digital transformations told by the people who lead them. everybody, Howard Tierski here. Welcome to another episode of the Winning Digital Customers Show. An interesting question we want to pose today, is it possible to be too strategic? Now, you might think, well, isn't being strategic good? Shouldn't a company be strategic? And I think the answer to that is yes, but it can also be taken to the extremes and there are some things that you can do about it. So let's unpack that a little bit. What are we talking about? Well, first of all, what do we mean by being strategic? I have no doubt that there's many companies and I've encountered companies for sure that are not strategic. So what, is, what does it mean to be strategic? What does it mean to be not strategic? Well, to me, I define strategy as something very, very simple. Strategy is a means to execute some kind of a goal. It's a strategy. If I want to go to the grocery store, I can create a strategy on how to get there. I could take the bus, I could take the train, I could call an Uber, I could walk, I could ride my bicycle. These are all strategies to achieve the goal of getting to the grocery store. If my goal is to get groceries at home, then I have some more strategies. I could use Instacart, I could ask my, my babysitter, my kid's babysitter to go to the grocery store, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So understanding that a strategy is composed of two components, clarity on what it is that you want, and a decision about how you're going to get there. First of all, maybe that definition might be helpful to you. I know I've been in meetings sometimes where there's an argument about, do we have a strategy? Do we not have a strategy? And strategy, of course, can be one of those, what I like to call useless words. You know, If everybody has a different idea of what it even means to have a strategy, well, then it's not that useful of a word. You have to start defining the word when you use it. But to me, that's all a strategy is. Strategy is a plan to achieve a goal. Two parts, a plan and a goal, just like this uh, picture here of someone trying to shoot a target. Clear goal, center of the target, and presumably this person has a plan. They're using a, a type of a bow. They're going to probably they probably have been taught a certain way of looking and lining up the, 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 the bow, or maybe there's a, a little notch on the bow. They line it up with the, with the bullseye. They check the wind. If the wind is heading in a certain direction, maybe they offset a certain amount. This is their method, their strategy for achieving the specific desired outcome. And so I absolutely think there are times when companies have everyone running in a different direction, everyone trying to accomplish a different goal, everyone trying different mechanisms to achieve that goal, and that is for sure problematic. If everyone is trying to do different things, very rarely do you get an optimal result. But I wanna to suggest to you today that there is another end of that spectrum, and some companies fall into this uh, uh, a trap as well. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. So. Why on earth wouldn't you want to be as strategic as you can possibly be? Why wouldn't you want to be very clear about the outcome that you want, as absolutely 1,000% clear as possible? And why wouldn't you want to get everyone in your whole company absolutely rowing in the same direction as they say, absolutely focused on achieving one strategy together? Well, there are some reasons why you might not want to take that to 100%. After all, what if you have a bad strategy? What if you have a plan for how to get where you want to go, but it doesn't work? Well, then you could be putting all your eggs in one basket, so to speak. And, you know, there are times when you may have a strategy 
that you can determine very, very quickly it's not working. That's one of the beauties of some types of digital, right? For example, with e-commerce, you can try a new email subject line and you know within a few hours probably see whether people are responding to it is driving clicks to your website. So there are certain strategies that you can test super rapidly. But there are other strategies that really take time. For example, things that aren't designed to build customer relationships over months or years to drive more long-term customer loyalty. Well, it can be very difficult to determine quickly whether those strategies are working or not. There are, there are tactics to try to do that. But nevertheless, there are many times, maybe you're building a new product you want to bring to market, but that product is going to take you 18 months or you're going to create a new manufacturing process, but you have to build factories and that's going to take you two years to do. Or you're going after some sort of a government subsidization and that's going to take you know several years to get that approved. You may have strategies that will take quite a while to achieve and may not be, may not be clear for some time whether those strategies are actually going to work. So if you put all your eggs in one strategic basket, there's always the possibility that you're wrong about the method to achieve your goal. And by the way, there's also the possibility that you have either the wrong goal or not the optimal goal. You may think that it's all about, you know, expanding your business into China or going after millennials or launching a product, you know, compatible with Android or, you know, whatever, whatever your target may be. It could turn out that that target is not the best target perhaps because something quickly changes. I mean, after all, take what happened with COVID, right? That's a very extreme situation. But if your goal is to drive your customers to more and more marketing events, live marketing events, uh, well, obviously, then that goal may, may not turn out to be such a good goal when something uh, happens to sort of destroy that as a potential means of accomplishing whatever your ultimate end, end game is. But even in a not such a extreme example, there are many cases where companies fail to see a new trend. They fail to see a new opportunity. You know, Western Union was focused on being the very best telegraph service that they could be, so much so that when the telephone came along, they saw it as a distraction and just focused on being the very best telegraph service they could be. And obviously, you could look at many other companies, whether it's Kodak or Blockbuster, dramatic examples of companies that kept their eye on the prize. Blockbuster kept trying to be the very darn best video store that was going to be only a few minutes drive from your house to rent you DVDs, but they failed to really recognize that that wasn't the target that they should keep focusing on anymore. There was a different target. In contrast, Netflix did a great job of even when they were in the DVD by mail business, recognizing that there was a new target and they needed to put some of their energy on that target. If they only focused their, their energy on how to be the very best DVD by mail business, eventually that target was going to go away. And so they, they focused on another target as well. So if you focus, if you think of a strategy as being all about a, a means to get you someplace you want to go, you got to be a little bit, uh, have a little humility <laughs> and recognize that that's great. And that's what you need to do to determine where you want to go and drive people there. But there's always the risk that either it's the wrong destination or the wrong means to get there. And what do you do then? So the opportunity is to say, you know, maybe I shouldn't be 100% strategic, just like the human DNA, you know, human DNA attempts to replicate itself with 100% accuracy. And but we know, and even pre human DNA, we know through the theory of evolution and Darwinism, that in fact, it's, it's the variability, it's the mistakes, it's the non strategic things that happen in the replication of that DNA 
that actually lead to evolution, that actually lead to improvement in the species. That's that's how we went from being, you know, single-celled organisms to being human beings today. And who knows? Who knows where that will get that will go in the future? Perhaps in the future we'll be like the X-Men, we'll be able to fly and read people's minds. All because of what? Little mistakes. Now, if you had a, a DNA replication process that was completely non-strategic, meaning didn't have any clear goal. It was just random, constant, you know, whatever DNA being thrown together, well, probably that would never work, right? If DNA, very often when DNA is replicated, if there are mistakes, it causes the resulting organism to not survive. So you obviously don't want all of your DNA replication to be mutations because that's not going to lead to viable next generation of offspring. But if none of them are mutations, then you have no growth or evolution of your species. So you need to figure out what's a percentage that can work for that. Perhaps there's a balance that you want to have within your organization of mostly strategic activities, but carving out a certain amount of non-strategic activity space as well. There's maybe this kind of a Goldilocks balance of not too hard, not too soft. What's the right thing right in the middle? By the way, I never understood why it was that you had the mama bear, the daddy bear, and the baby bear. And obviously the mama bear is the middle, right? The mama bear was larger than the baby bear and smaller than the daddy bear. And yet it was the baby bear that was the, the just right, right? The, the daddy bear's porridge was too hot and the mama bear's was too cold and the baby bear's, so that never made sense to me. It would seem like it should be the mama bear. She was the one in the middle, you know? Yeah. Okay, well, anyway, so, uh, so let me give you a few examples. What can you do? Well, you know, a famous example would be Google's 20% uh, time. And for anyone who's not familiar, most of you probably are, Google has, for many, many years, has had a policy that everybody who works at Google can spend 20% of their time doing pretty much anything they want, um, expecting that it's going to be some project or idea that would benefit Google, meaning it's not meant to be you can be going and playing golf during this 20 minutes, unless you're coming up with the idea for Google Golf, I guess. How come I wonder why there's no Google Golf? That would be the, the alliteration there, it would be kind of nice. Well, anyway, but that, that policy, of saying, look, you know, we may have a strategy as a company, there's something we're trying to accomplish, but if you're an employee here, you could spend 20% of your time and working on anything that interests you. And of all those little projects, of course, the vast, vast majority of them were not commercialized, but of those that were commercialized, that led to everything from Google Calendar to Gmail to Google Translate to Google Docs. Look at all of these components that are a major part of Google's value proposition today that all were a result of that those 20% time projects, non-strategic activity. Um, many, many companies have a research and development wing, and sometimes that research and development team is told, this is our strategy. You must work on creating solutions to just this problem that we're trying to go after. But well-run research and development departments have a certain amount of that, but they're also allowed a certain amount of freedom. You put people in the research development team that are creative, that are original thinkers, and they may have problems that they're fascinated by and are trying to solve. And it's not clear how solving that problem is going to really help the company. You know, at Bell Labs, when the transistor was invented, it was by people who were just fascinated by materials and the way materials might be able to be used to be sort of controlled by electricity. But it really wasn't clear when they were doing that original research exactly how such a thing would be used. It was only much later that after the original scientific research into materials and the way the materials in terms of their conductivity connect, uh, conductivity could be impacted by electricity, that uh, 
that it was realized the potential for commercial application. So um, allowing a certain amount of that pure science, so to speak, which may not look like science in your organization because that R&D might be around marketing, it might be around customer service, new ways to handle the call center. It's not all going to be what looks like science, but it's the creative process of letting people explore what, what intuitively interests them with a certain percentage of non-strategic time has the potential to lead to, to big opportunities. Skunk Works projects as well. You have a passionate group of people. You know, Steve Jobs was uh, at, at Apple at a point in time when the, the Apple II computer and its offspring, the Apple III, and that whole line of the original Apple computers was really the, the focus. It was where all the money was coming from in the company. And Steve was working on this, uh, you know, Steve, basically he was being, he, he got sidelined to work on this sort of side, not strategic project called the Apple Macintosh. And, but he was so passionate, he, he took that project and he turned it into something that of course became the whole next several generations of revenue and success and product for Apple computer. Uh, you know, but that started out as a project that at the time, someone would have said was not strategic, was not really the key focus. It was a little side project. So that's the power that take that example combined with, you know, what we talked about in terms of uh, what Google was doing. And, um, you know, having these projects within your company that may also be real moonshot opportunities. Somebody has a, a huge idea, something that isn't what your company is even there to do. And if they were to pursue that, it would be, you know, change the whole industry or just be a completely different area of opportunity for your company. Allowing a certain amount of time to be spent on those things has proven over and over and over to be occasionally successful. It's like, you know, it's, it's one of those... One of those bets that's probably not going to pay off in any one instance, but if you have a portfolio of them, you can have only a very small percent that are successful and they can turn into being things that define the whole future of your company, which we see over and over. Now, of course, one of the things I talk about a lot in my book, Winning Digital Customers, and is a common challenge with organizations is when that new opportunity is identified, will it be embraced by the organization or will it be rejected as not strategic, just like um, you know, the, uh, the railroad companies were interested in investing in truck transport or airlines where Western Union wasn't interested in the telephone. So and, and of course, in the case of Kodak, which I mentioned earlier, many people are aware of the, the, the story that it was actually at Kodak where the digital camera was originally invented. But the so you had an element of that going on at Kodak. Kodak was a company, of course, with a fantastic heritage in research and development. And you had the enough space for the organization to allow quote-unquote non-strategic uh, product research to be done. But then once the research was done and once it was made commercially viable, the organization wasn't willing to take that to the next step. So in order to really benefit from these non-strategic activities, you not only have to be willing to do like Google does with 20% time and allow people to play, but you also then have to have a process whereby sometimes, occasionally, those little playgrounds someone looks at and says, you know what, we're going to put more behind this. We're going to be willing to launch this as a commercial product. And if it's successful, be willing to potentially change the whole direction of the company for the occasional big idea that may have seemed originally non-strategic that leads to um, an, an opportunity that could be that new bigger bullseye that perhaps is where the company should change its focus and attention. So um, just food for thought, something to think about. Definitely want to be able to be good at being strategic. Just be careful. You're not too locked down. You're not too strategic and you're still allowing people to play and come up with ideas that aren't consistent with your current strategy. I want to give you a quick preview that uh, my, my live cast later this week on Wednesday 
will be on the topic of how to avoid an intranet ghost town. The tools that we put online for our employees and our extended enterprise, like our suppliers or our contractors to use, are potentially powerful tools and a key part of digital transformation. And yet, I can't tell you how many projects I've seen, how many things that people, companies have invested in with the vision of creating some kind of an intranet site or tool, which just completely fell flat. Let's create a discussion community where everyone can get together and talk about X, Y, or Z. And then if you look at it, you discover that, you know, for a week, there were a bunch of people posting things and then it just died. This is actually the, 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 the rule rather than the exception, what I call intranet ghost town. So on the next live cast, we're going to be talking about a whole bunch of best practices to stack the deck for your next internal project to figure out how to make that a successful, thriving town and community and not the next internet ghost town. So hopefully this has been interesting and gave you a little preview of what we're gonna be talking about on Wednesday. So uh, I look forward to seeing you then. And of course, to any comments you may have on today's episode. Thanks, have an awesome day and keep transforming. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Winning Digital Customers, the podcast. Find more great episodes at wdcpodcast.captivate.fm on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast, or wherever you listen. And visit winningdigitalcustomers.com to learn more about the Wall Street Journal bestselling book that inspired the podcast.